Welcome to True Talk on WMNF 88.5. Uh, this is your host, Ahmed Badir. On today's show, we're going to continue talking about the latest uh, out of the uh, Turkey-Syria earthquake. Um, the death toll continues to rise, the cost, and um, what does it mean for the area, as well as uh, Republicans in the um, House of Representatives have um, this was actually last week, voted to remove Ilhan Omar, first Muslim elected to Congress, first Muslim woman with a scarf elected to Congress um, from the Foreign Relations Committee. Um, why are they being so vindictive? And also your phone call. This is True Talk on WMNF. We'll be right back. <laughs> هما كلهم واحلى كلهم واحلى دق 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 كل تشوف الدنيا كحلى سحره قحلى سحره قحلى دق 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 بس تشوف الدنيا احلى والحومه مفحله والحومه مفحله دق 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 تستنى فعسل النحله صبوره كحلى صبوره كحلى حسنا طيار ورمنافع قبل رحله يا ضايع بين الحيوت وملكي تشرب لاسا حومة بين بلاد الحوت يما خلوني بشي خامس موت وحكمو ناس الراقة والكراسي بالهبوت نحب نشد الروت ونقلب المناظر نقلب وجهي من هنا يما منحب نعيش الاحياء بالموت نوفا كيما ولد الزارة بشي خاطب لا يا ليلي ويا ليلة واش بش نسكي لك يما وقالوا لي ليلة صغيرو في قلبي غمة ريوس الرجلة ميلة ميلة رزنت بالتخمام وبالشيخ عالم خاخم بيلة أولاد الحومة إشواتنا مقيلة شرف العينين بالخير ماهيش مست فيلة حبوا يسوقونا كيف الزيلة ومربط في زيبة وخطوة السكين مكيلة يحبوا كبري ما عندك شي عائلة نعيشوا في سيستام حكمه أولاد المتحيلة يحبوا خايب على الوشود ساكت على حقك ورضيب اللي يحبوا موجود يما تجري وما كش خالت على الكوت خلى أولاد الحومة قطع قطع من الحدود تهيدوا في قفسك مربوط وإذبع مسيب وزيدك للك عشاك يما حبوك قاعد في زنقة مرفوض والمستقبل اللي تشوف فيه متعدي بحذاك يا ليلي ويا ليلة وش بش نسكي لك يما وقالوا لي ليلة صغيرو في قلبي غمة Welcome back to True Talk on WMNF 88.5. Um, the latest on the Turkey-Syria earthquake. 
And this is from uh, Al Jazeera is reporting the death toll from the Turkey-Syria earthquake is now 42,000. This was, um, I guess, six hours ago. Turkish authorities say 36,000 people have been killed in their country. On the Syrian, the Syrian government and the United Nations say that um, more than 5,800 people have died in Syria. Um, yet rescuers are also continuing to find survivors. A teenager was rescued in Turkey's um, in Turkey after 248 hours under the rubble, which is just amazing. The World Health Organization says the zone, uh, quote, the zone of uh, greatest concern is northwestern Syria, where anger is growing over the slow delivery of humanitarian assistance. The United Nations is appealing for $397 million in aid to help 5 million Syrian survivors with shelter, health care, and food. Um, the Red Cross Tripro's request for Turkey and Syria aid to $700 million. The UN launches a $1 billion appeal for Turkey quake victims. The United Nations has launched an appeal for $1 billion in aid to help victims in Turkey of last week's uh, catastrophic earthquake that killed thousands of people. The world body said in a statement that funds would provide humanitarian relief for three months to 5.2 million people, allowing aid organizations to rapidly scale up vital support. Um. They talk, I mean, you know, one of the reasons why so much money is needed, so much aid is needed is because of how large, um, you know, this earthquake was, not only in intensity, uh, but also in um, the diameter, how far, um, I guess, the damage went and had an impact, 500 kilometers. So, so many millions of people are affected. Of course, uh, thousands uh, were killed over 100,000 injured, and then uh, just so many people that are displaced, uh, so many provinces in Turkey are impacted. This is not just, this is not something that one country can handle alone. You need the entire world um, to help and you know, provide aid. So, you know, um, if you're listening and you're out there, you know, do what you can. There's uh, United Nations bodies, UN, UNICEF, Oxfam, Others that are, um, you know, contributing to provide aid. Turkish, uh, the Red Crescent or the, and the Red Cross. Basically, uh, it's called the Red Crescent in Turkey. Um, because the Red Cross comes across as more Christian. But within Muslim countries, they call it the Red Crescent. Same body, basically. Uh, they um, are needing, you know, millions of dollars also. Uh, so there's so much um, help that's needed. Um, there's a uh, article here from one hour ago also uh, on Jazeera. These are, you know, updates that are coming in, live updates. Quake fallout and flames refugee tensions in Turkey, disaster zone. A Turkish volunteer runs down a pile of rubble, dragging a Syrian man with a bloodied face as anger builds and refugee tensions soar across quake-shattered regions. He was stealing, the volunteer screams, echoing looting charges leveled against refugees across the ruins of Antakya and other cities flattened by last week's quake. The 
1.8 magnitude tremor killed more than 42,000 people in southeast Turkey and parts of Syria and laid waste to the region filled with families that have fled the 12-year Syrian war. It also seems to have inflamed resentment against foreigners in Turkey, home to the world's largest population of people fleeing conflict zone. And Turkey is home to millions of people that have fled conflict zones, mostly from Syria, but also from other countries. And, you know, they've taken in the most of these refugees. And um, the government there has, um, you know, gotten a lot of, I guess, resentment um, from opposition figures, um, opposition figures in the country. They're oftentimes um, criticize the existing, the current government of uh, providing shelter to so many refugees and uh, migrants that are coming from conflict zones. And of course, tragedies like this bring out the best in people, but for some, it also brings out the worst. And um, yeah, while looting and stealing, of course, is definitely wrong and not acceptable, um, but when people are suffering so much and uh, things are scarce, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously it's wrong, um, but I guess people need to be patient with each other um, uh, when in in that part of the world. Uh, it's easier said than you know to talk about these tragedies when you're a foreigner. I remember, you know, also with the Haiti earthquake uh, that happened maybe a decade or twelve years ago. You know, thousands uh, there were killed. Uh, as well, and aid organizations were scrambling to help, and you know there were concerts, and it, it's easier, you know, when you're a farm, you're not inflicted uh, by that pain, by the tragedy, to you know, I guess speculate or theorize what people should do. But it's much different when you're in that actual situation. I'm googling, uh, of course. What was the toll, the death toll of the uh, Haiti earthquake of 2010? Yeah, so 13 years ago. Um, yeah, it's not coming up for me um, right away. You would think that, you know, by now, especially with AI and all this stuff, as soon as you ask the question, it should just come up. Why do I have to click on a bunch of links? And then try to figure out, well, which one is the most accurate? Well, I guess that's part of the work, part of the job. Um, it, it was one of the you know most devastating earthquakes in recent history, that's for sure. So do we have a responsibility? I mean, you know, the United States did. So, yeah, I don't know where to begin. Especially the problem is um, Turkey is a much more developed country than Syria is. And while they have um, the most casualties from this earthquake, they definitely, um, you know, uh, they're getting the majority of the aid and the re and they have the resources to help and find victims. But on the Syrian side, especially the area that was hit, um, there's not a lot of resources there, and they've been dealing with uh, the aftermath of a 12-year you know, civil war, and they don't have the heavy machinery, they don't have the support, and humanitarian organizations and aid organizations, because of the uncertainty, lack of security, and not having really a government to work with there, have not you know, gone into Syria, northern Syria, to help the victims there. And many of these victims were screaming under the rubble, under the buildings that collapsed, and no one 
can get to them. I mean, family members that or um, friends or community members were simply trying to dig up or help people just with their own hands, not having any uh, heavy equipment to actually cut through and and save lives. There are groups there, um, civil society groups, volunteer groups, and other uh, ad hoc organizations like the White Helmets that uh, were doing what they can. But again, it's just the tragedy is so big and not enough uh, aid was getting there. And I, I've seen some videos and reports coming out of that um, northern Syria where people are, you know, begging for help and saying, well, no one is coming here. Where, and by the way, the as far as the Haitian, uh, the Haiti earthquake of 2010, the Haitian government's official count is more than 300,000. So that's almost 10 times uh, this number, or uh, at least nine times so far what's been discovered in um, Turkey, Syria, uh, as far as the Haiti uh, earthquake. Uh, life does go on, but of course for the survivors of earthquakes, it can be very difficult when you lose everything and now you have to leave your town, your city. And so many cities were just simply demolished. Yeah, um, rebuilding does start eventually. I think uh, they'll start working on that now. Um, they're still trying to save lives or find um, you know, people that are still alive. And, and surprisingly, just yesterday, they found a teenager after 248 hours under the rubble, but obviously uh, that's going to be less and less now, and attention will be turned to the um, repair. And, and if you just think about what happened just in our country as far as tragedies and, you know, being in Florida and hurricanes, um, when Hurricane, um, when Panama City was uh, hit by the most recent hurricane there, and that radius was something like 18 miles as far as the damage, uh, they're still they still haven't you know recovered from that uh, fully. There are many buildings that haven't been rebuilt. It takes it takes time, and same thing with uh, Katrina and what happened in Katrina. How long does it take to actually rebuild uh, from that? How many people were displaced? And um, there were accusations of looting back then as well. Oh, you know, people are looting. Well, they're trying to survive. Do you really care if your family is dying of starvation? You know, where are the resources coming from? Especially if you don't have any money. You know, everything you owned was uh, destroyed. Um, and, and if aid is not getting there fast enough. Now, uh, there are many humanitarian organizations that are now operating in southern Turkey that are distributing the aid. What are you doing? What are we doing to actually... Um, play a part in them and to help. And um, I think the station is looking at ways, preferably, you know, uh, how they can help. And hopefully we'll have some information for you maybe on True Talk uh, about that in the future. Uh, but don't wait for someone else to get involved and, and, and do your part. Um, uh, you can do your research, do your homework. I can, I'm not going to recommend specific organizations uh, right now, but definitely the United Nations organizations are trusted organizations uh, for most people. Some people are very wary of the United Nations, um, but definitely like, you know, groups like UNICEF, um, international aid organizations, whether they're, you know, like Oxfam or Save the Children, 
um, um, are also operating on the ground. Care International, C-A-R-E, uh, is also there. Many other. There are uh, Muslim organizations. There is the, um, you know, the equivalent, I guess, of the Turkish or Turkey. Turkia is how they actually want to be identified now. That's their name. Uh, that's the name of the country in their native language is Turkia. It's actually the name of Turkey in Arabic as well as Turkia. Um Somehow, just in the English language, it's called turkey, and not to be confused with, you know, the bird, turkey. Um, so I think that's maybe one of the reasons why they want to be called Turkey. So I guess we should uh, call them. When I say Turkey, it means the country Turkey that that you would be familiar with. Um, yeah. So. Um, what, and, and last week I started talking to the imam, and maybe I can get your thoughts on this. The you know, when you see tragedies like that happening, um, how do you make sense of it? You know, in a world that we live in, especially natural disasters. I mean, it's one thing when you have man-made disasters like the you know Russia-Ukraine war, you know Russia invading Ukraine. And these are man-made disasters. The bombs that were dropped on, um, you know, Japan by the U.S., nuclear bombs that devastated so many people, those were uh, man-made. They're not natural disasters. Earthquake, hurricanes, earthquakes, hurricanes, um, those are obviously natural disasters. Uh, how do we make sense of it, especially when it comes to natural disasters that didn't necessarily involve uh, humans or not triggered by humans. Some people are trying, you know, are arguing that climate change is contributing um, towards, you know, these hurricanes and, and storms and things. Uh, so that's a little different. But uh, I'm interested in, you know, maybe you have some, um, some opinion on uh, natural disasters as far as is it, you know, some Christian preachers and others, even some Muslim preachers will say, well, this is a punishment, you know, from God uh, to people for the way they've been acting. Uh, others say it's, you know, to get people's attention. It, to others, it's a reminder that we're really fragile as human beings, you know, in this universe. And, you know, we can't control the weather. Um, and, you know, if the pandemic taught us anything, that we can't control, um, you know, disease uh, as well. I mean, we can try to contain it or limit the spread of it, but it's going to spread. And um, it's all we can do is just sometimes take uh, efforts to slow it down from spreading. Um, and, you know, and in some situations coming up with vaccines that can eliminate or, uh, pr you know, provide support or defense against the spread of certain disease. I mean, before modern science, people were dying of plagues all the time, and it would take up tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands uh, of people when it does spread. So, um, yeah, I mean, in, in, I don't know. Uh, as a person of faith myself, uh, as a Muslim, I guess my faith teaches me that, you know, we're not in control of these things, Um God is a just God in my faith and as well as a merciful God. And 
even in some interpreted that even in death there's mercy. That and and somebody may you know ask, well, how's that possible? How is there mercy in death? Um, well, if somebody's life is so horrible, they're living in such horrible conditions, starving. Um, it's so difficult. Uh, war ravaged. Living in certain some refugee camps where they don't have just the basic adequate. I mean, just subhuman, you know, uh, resources or standards. Uh, that to them, they'd rather be dead. They'd rather not be alive in this world. And uh, for a person of faith, like for me personally, and from what I know or what I believe in, that uh, our life in this world or our time in this world on earth, being in this body or physical body is temporary, that this is not the end, you know, this is just part of the journey. Um, we're actually taught in our belief system that way before we came into this world, we were in a different world called the world of the souls, um, where we are these um, beings or souls. I mean, it's a transparent thing. We can't really see each other's soul. We could see our each other's physical uh, bodies, uh, these vehicles that, you know, that our soul is uh, being carried in. And, you know, obviously we look different. We have different skin color, uh, different sizes, height, uh, men and women, and um, from different regions, speaking different languages, lived uh, in different times, have different skill. So, I mean, that's the diversity, but uh, inside there's some sort of soul that is being carried and, when we cease to exist in this world, we transition to another world. It, it doesn't mean really that we died. Yeah, we might have died in this world or our physical body ended in this world, our vehicle ended here, but our soul continues the journey. So for me and for others that I guess believe like me, and maybe you believe the same way, that when we die, we're not actually just, we're not, perishing, we're not being terminated, um, our soul continues to another life. And that life may be better. And for most people, it's going to be better than this life that we're currently in right now, or this phase of our journey. So this soul actually never dies. It just transitions to a, um, another dimension in another area um, that you know goes through a different part of the journey. Uh, the next journey so after the soul is uh, comes into this world in the form of a birth and becomes you know is inside of a human uh, body uh, and whenever that time on this earth uh, ends for some it's when they're young for others it's when they're old for some it's a natural you know just dying of disease or old age for others it's a car accident or murder or you know a tragedy like this earthquake um, but regardless of how our uh, time here on earth ends, uh, these souls continue. Whether they were good or bad, whether they were rich or poor, they all continue to the next phase. And if you notice, we don't continue with any of the belongings that we actually accumulated in this world. 
we can't take our house with us. We can't take uh, our cars. We can't take our jewelry or money or, I don't know, our pets. And no matter how much people love us, you know, no matter how much somebody loves someone else, our loved ones, I, I've never seen it where the loved one, you know, climbs into, down into the grave and wants to be buried with the person that, you know, they loved. So no matter how much we loved or were loved, um, we end up being alone in that grave or wherever we end up. You know, maybe a um, person is getting cremated. Nobody's going to get cremated with you. So, however, that's the physical body. So, for us as Muslims, um, our, I guess, um, burial uh, rituals uh, does not include cremation. It goes back to the earth where our body is from and is buried in the ground. Preferably, um, if you follow the actual tradition, the Muslim tradition, it should not be in any type of casket. It should be just buried in the ground, uh, wrapped into um, uh, two white uh, sheets, and put right into the soil or the sand, or you know, but deep down enough. And eventually, it goes back and gets decomposed, and all that material goes back into the earth. And um, here in Florida, it's not really possible because of water and things, and you have to actually be buried. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the caskets, but even if you're in a casket, they put that casket inside of a concrete barrier or a concrete kind of casket. So it's a casket within a casket, and now you're kind of contained inside this um, cement barrier, at least from the top and the sides. I don't know underneath. It may be open to the bottom, but not the sides or the top. Um, so when we're there, the body, um, um, is there. However, the soul is separated from that body. In fact, the soul is just separated from the body as soon as, um, that body ceases to exist, uh, what we would call, I guess, death. Um, and then it goes according to our beliefs to, a. Uh, this next phase, which is called the life of the Barzakh, or it's kind of a, I forgot what the word is for it in English. I guess if maybe one of our listeners can email me what that word is, but it's kind of a waiting period until the day of judgment uh, and that there'll be some sort of judgment at the end for how we lived our life in this world. And um, in our belief system, there is a, um, a place called heaven and hell. Um, I know some don't believe those things exist, but that's part of our uh, belief system. Our phone number is 813-239-9663, 813-239-9663. And our email is dj at wmnf.org. This is a live show right now, so you can actually call in. Um, if, you, uh, listen, if you're listening to this on, um, you know, or on, as a podcast, um, you can't call in at that time, but you could email us at truetalk at wmnf.org. So if you're not listening to us live, if you're listening live, you can email dj at wmnf.org. Otherwise, you can email truetalk at wmnf.org after the show. I believe I have uh, some callers, and I'm trying to find where I can bring them up. 
Okay. Our phone number is 813-239-9663. Or you could email us at uh, dj at wmnf.org um, if you want to give me your thoughts on the earthquake or, um, you know, how do you make sense of uh, these trage- tra- tragedies? Um, and what do you think... Um, or what I had to say, you know, about them. Something else I wanted to actually bring uh, attention to was uh, I didn't talk about this the past week because uh, we're dealing with the earthquake. But um, as far as uh, Ilhan Omar and um, what the GOP in Congress did to strip her from the Foreign Relations uh, Committee. And this is um, this is actually significant because Ilhan Omar is a um, a black woman. She is a refugee from Somalia, um, and she's Muslim. She is the only Muslim in Congress um, that wears a headscarf. So uh, she's uh, you know a minority, obviously. And for them to uh, target her, a lot of people are saying this is being very vindictive for things that they're saying that oh, we're targeting her uh, and we're removing her because of anti-Semitism. Well, supposedly these, this uh, alleged anti-Semitism took place two years ago, over two years ago, in the form of tweets that she t- tweeted, and it was clarified that it was not meant to be anti-Semitic. Some said, well, there she's, you know, using anti-Semitic tropes, but she was basically referring to the power of APAC in Washington. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't think criticizing APAC is a form of anti-Semitism. I mean, they're a political body. So disagreeing with them does not mean you're anti-Semitic. Just like disagreeing with the NRA is not, you know, some sort of um, I don't know, racist. It's you disagree with the policies, not because uh, the people or the you know the people behind it. You can uh, criticize Israel without hating Jews. Um, I, I think that's possible. And when I criticize Israel and Israel's policies on the shows, it has nothing to do with uh, Judaism. In fact, the more Jewish you are, I believe. You would actually be more opposed to the Israeli government and the policy, especially the current government under uh, Netanyahu. This uh, very extreme, uh, I don't even want to call them right wing because they're way beyond that. Very extreme racist uh, uh, government um, that acts like, you know, I don't know, they share a lot in common with some white supremacists in this country. In fact, Many Jews and Jewish people in this country, and even many uh, Jewish leaders, are now speaking out against the current government there. So does that mean, you know, these are things that I've been saying along before, and people say, well, that's anti-Semitism. No, it's not. Criticizing the occupation and what they've been doing to Palestinians has nothing to do with their faith. Um, And most of the time, these are secular people that are misrepresenting what it means to be, uh, you know, the tenets of Judaism. The tenets of Judaism, of Judaism is very similar to Islam. You know, the belief in one God, treat your neighbor as yourself, you know, the golden rule. But that's not what they're, that, 
that's not the Israeli government, especially for the past, I, I don't know, uh, some would argue for as long as they've been in power, but especially in the past decade, uh, they have not been treating their neighbors as themselves. But proof is in all the um, dual laws that they have. They have certain laws for the Arabs and then different laws for the Jewish community. You know, one highway for the Palestinians, another highway for Jewish-only highways. Imagine that, having highways and roads where you have to have a certain type of license plate and you have to be basically for Jewish or Israelis only. And Palestinians on their own land cannot drive on those highways. So you're not even talking about, um, you know, these are roads within the Israel borders. Uh, we're talking about roads that were built by Israel on Palestinian land, cutting through Palestinian neighborhoods that are for Jews only. Uh, that is that is apartheid, and calling that apartheid does not mean um, does not mean anti-Semitism. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, call me if you uh, agree or disagree. Eight one three two three nine nine six six three. Eight one three two three nine nine six six three. So I guess actually this happened uh, two weeks ago, but because our show is every uh, two weeks, I mean every week, um, we didn't get to it, and we've been talking about the um, the earthquake. So um, the story: the Minnesota Re representative Ilhan Omar was ousted from the House Foreign Relations Committee uh, on NPR. Ilhan Omar was removed from the House Foreign Relations uh, Foreign Affairs Committee. This followed controversial remarks made by Omar and the oosting of some GOP members of panels when Democrats had the House. Which, you know, um, as much as I like NPR, they didn't really put this in context. When they're saying following remarks made by Omar, those remarks were made two years ago, two plus years ago. So um, the article goes on to say, in the ever-growing universe of partisan issues dividing the current Congress, the matter of committee assignments has re-entered the chat. Today, on a party-line vote, Republicans ousted, ousted Democratic Congresswoman Ilhan Omar from the House Foreign Affairs panel, but not before she made defiant remarks to the cabinet. Ilhan Omar uh, goes on to say, my leadership and voice will not be diminished if I'm not on this committee for one term. My voice will get louder and stronger and my leadership will be celebrated around the world as it has been. Okay, good for her. Ilhan Omar being defiant even when she's being kicked off the committee. Well, this actually just makes her more popular. Um, you know, and now like, yeah, you attack Ilhan Omar and kick her off the committee as one of the first acts you do once you've actually, you know, um, chosen a speaker is, you know, the first vote after 15 votes to choose a speaker. And now, uh, you know, everybody's united to kick Ilhan Omar off of this committee. Um, well, being that there's there are very few Muslims in Congress, I think there's three, uh, two women and a man, uh, the women being... Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, who's uh, uh, from Michigan, and Andre Carson, uh, 
from an African-American, also from uh, Indiana. So you have two African-Americans and an um, Arab-American originally from Palestine uh, or Palestinian descent, which is Rashida. But centering all your focus, one of the first acts that you do as a Congress uh, when you take over the House of Representatives is to kick Elhen off uh, this committee two years Two years. You've been just waiting for two years until you're back in power so you can punish uh, Ilhan Omar. Um, I don't know. I don't agree with that. Shame on them for doing that. I have some calls. Our phone number is 813-239-9663. John from Port Ritchie. Go ahead. Hey, thanks for the show. Yeah, I agree with you on on Ilhan's comments about uh, Israel, she was criticizing the organization and not being anti-Semitic. I had a question for you, though. Did the uh, did the House ban um, headdresses or hats on the floor? I think they did. And I was kind of wondering that what happened to religious freedoms? If she's wearing that because of her religious beliefs, why would she not be able to wear that in the House of Representatives? I mean... That just didn't make sense to me if they did ban that or told her that she couldn't wear them. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. Um, I, she's still wearing it. So mm-hmm. um, Democrats want to alter ban on hats on the floor. Yeah, I saw they had hats on the floor, but I didn't know if they were, were trying to get her not to wear the headdress. Yeah, it's a slippery I'm slope. To look that up real quick, and then. And if they are, if they do do that, then I just think like, well, isn't that kind of hypocritical? Because you're always you're always kind of complaining about, uh, you know, restricting their Christian uh, religious rights, but now you're turning around and doing that to somebody else. Uh, if, right. if they are, I, I don't. Know I think I think there's a is, is there's a religious exemption because of course there are uh, Jewish members of Congress that wear the yarmulke, so you'd have to ban that as well. So I think there may be a religious exemption. Uh, I'd have to look uh, into that. But, you know, a lot of these people, uh, they only talk about, especially, you know, on the GOP, unfortunately, the members uh, in Congress, when they refer to religious freedom, they only really refer to themselves uh, just for their, you know, style of Christianity. Uh, So it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, they're religious freedom for all. Fortunately, we have a constitution that says, it is for everyone and not just for a few. Our phone number is 813-239-9663. I'm going to go to John in Dade City. Uh, John, go ahead. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. So sure. this road thing is really uh, it's really horrendous. Uh, it's a misuse of, uh, I guess you'd say, taxpayer dollars uh, in Israel. Um but uh, back when, uh, this is John Russell, uh, you know, you'll remember me. You had me at your forum years ago. At, oh, yeah. You, are you the one that ran for office? Well, I ran for Congress. So I was Democratic nominee in 2006 and 2008 uh, in uh, District, what was District 5. Um, but, uh, you know. Was that against Bill Arrakis? Uh, actually, I ran against Bill Arrakis in 2012 as an NPA, and the Democratic Party was doing everything to uh, to uh, ruin that. They put in Jonathan Michael Snow as a Democratic nominee just to block me from getting the Democratic votes. Um, 
So uh, allegedly, know, yeah, yeah, allegedly. Well, well, if yeah, I, I if I don't challenge you and say allegedly, then people say, well, you know, I'm just spreading propaganda. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no propaganda. I know, I know what goes on. I'm okay, good. Let's get to uh, what you had to say about this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, what I what I would say is, um, you know, we see what happens in to Palestinian children uh, on a daily basis being stacked and killed. And uh, the numbers, when you look at the total numbers over the years, it's, uh, it's totally uh, one-sided by, you know, thousands of percentage points as far as who has been injured and hurt and killed and so on and so forth. And when, when we're talking about, when we're talking about this country and how certain Congress people are treated uh, in un an unequal fashion, um, it's the, 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 it is, and you see when Netanyahu comes and addresses the Congress, I mean, how many other leaders of nations, uh, in the Congress as a, as a candidate, um, I, I was calling for even handed, uh, dispo disposition of, uh, Palestinians and, and, uh, 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 those of Jewish descent uh, when it comes to Israel. But it's not about the Judaism. It's about Zionism. Judaism is a religion. Zionism is totally something different. And that's what we're dealing with. The, the Judaism is a cover for what goes on with, with the, the Zionist government and the way that, the manner in which they, they handle affairs. And so as, uh, as a candidate, I can tell you when I, when I talked about um, being even-handed, I, I had people standing up and screaming at people that donated to me, screaming at me at the top of their lungs. Uh, how can you do that? You're, if you aren't, if you aren't playing, which goes back to the, you know, Jewish, uh, you know, Israeli leaders addressing the Congress. If you aren't playing ball with APAC and uh, this uh, this fluid dynamic of support Israel irrespective of whatever they do uh, internationally or to their people uh, or whatnot, then you're, you're not going to uh, go anywhere. So the road thing, everything uh, about this. Uh, when you say the road thing, you're referring to the dual highway system. The dual highway. Yeah. I mean, that's just amazing. Imagine, is there any other country in the no. world? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like imagine it's, if we had roads here just for whites only, and then you know, know it's, it's cutting through the black neighborhood and saying, "Well, you know, even though this is your own neighborhood, you can't be on this road. Uh, this is yeah, just for yeah. our protection because we're scared of you. And by the way, you guys are a bunch of terrorists, and that's why we have to have our own roads." Um, yeah, it's so 1950s, and you know, uh, I come from Buffalo, New York originally, and they. They did that sort of thing back in the 50s. They cut through the poor neighborhoods, which are, you know, disproportionately people of color. So, so uh, you know, uh, but so can, can we bring Israel into the 21st century? Uh, that's what needs to happen. And in order to do that, we need to, we need to go after our Congress people for, for playing to, you know, what is, uh, I mean, uh, you know, I can talk about corporatism and so on and so forth, but that's the, you know, when Israel is running the show in this country, 
and that is undeniable when you when you look at the executive branch and all the leaders in that arena where 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 do they uh hail from um and you hate to say religiously but it's not the the religion is is a cloak over the zionism anyways i don't want to take up too much more of your time but thank uh, you thank you john um Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Those uh, to say that the majority of the administration and to hint that they're, you know, under the control of Israel, I think that uh, goes too far. I mean, it's it's not accurate. However, um, the APAC and the, I guess, uh, pro-Hawk wing of uh, the pro-Israel movement in the United States they have the megaphone. Uh, there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of uh, Jewish people that uh, are opposed to what Israel is doing, but uh, for some reason, they're not getting the megaphone. But uh, the conversation is changing. There are organizations uh, like Jewish Voices for Peace, and If Not Now, and you know, and other organizations, even groups like J Street, which is kind of a left leftist Zionist organization, um, they opposed uh, uh, the occupation and what's happening, uh, what, what the Israeli government is doing, and have been, have been critical. So it's important to differentiate between them. Um, and more and more um, people that, even within Israel, within Israel, there are mass protests against what's happening, what the government is doing. And right now, it's it's really dangerous. Even the opposition parties in Israel are getting shut out, and they're protesting what's happening. But they feel like, you know, there's not much they can do. And, and that's what happens when you wait too long, when you remain silent too long, when, <coughs> when you don't stop the transgressions of, you know, people in government fast enough, then it becomes too late. And now Netanyahu has actually built alliance, built alliances with groups that were once seen so outside the fringe that you know they were um, their members were not even allowed to serve in the Israeli military because they were so uh, racist against Arabs. They were put into jail. They supported you know violence against the uh, Arab and Muslim minorities in that country. Um, including now the Minister of the Interior, he is one of them. Um, and, and now he is actually serving in the cabinet. John uh, sent a message from Newport Ritchie clarifying or you know about the headband cover in Congress. Um, he says the change was passed as part of a rule package amended, uh, an 1837 rule that was originally intended to ban representatives from wearing hats on the House floor, after a vote of 234 to 197 on Thursday, Congress members will now be allowed to wear head coverings such as kippahs, which is, you know, yarmulkes, hijabs, and turbans. Um, and he writes, I wonder who the 197 members that voted no are. Of course, these people are not recognizing religious freedom because those 197 uh, voted against it. Our phone number is 813-239-9663. We're coming to the end of the show. You can call us or you can email us at dj uh, at wmnf.org. Um, 
Yeah, so, uh, Amin sends a message saying they are all under control. And uh, he says the proof is pure and simple. The so-called Israel will never be criticized or change the situation on the ground. Uh, but more and more members in Washington are criticizing Israel, especially in the Democratic Party. There are more and more members that are signing legislation to protect Palestinian children. That was, you know, something that's unheard of before. Uh, members like Betty McCollum, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, what's his name, Jamal Bowman, um, Cory Bush. So many people have been uh, doing that, uh, and, and it's growing. So the, the establishment of the Democrats are still not there. Uh, they are still, you know, saying the party line or the old party line that somehow they need to stay committed to Israel. But how can you be continue to be committed to such a government, especially under the current administration? They just passed a law, and this is in the news today or yesterday. Israel passes law allowing deportation of Palestinian prisoners. The new law will make it easier for authorities to revoke citizenship and residency of Palestinians in Israel and the occupied East Jerusalem. These are people whose ancestors have been part of that land for generations, if not for centuries. And this law now, they can strip them of their citizenship and deport them. Imagine if that was the case here that we would selectively say, and this is not for uh, Jewish people, it's just for the Palestinians. So imagine in America, if somehow a segment of the society... Hispanics or, you know, African-Americans and say, well, those that commit crime and if they happen to be African-American, we will strip them uh, of their citizenship and deport them. Well, one, deport them where? They're citizens for decades, if not centuries here in America. So do you see how, you know, crazy and ludicrous this type of law would be? The article goes on saying, this is um, uh, from Al Jazeera, the Israeli parliament has passed a law making it easier for authorities to revoke citizenship and residency from Palestinians imprisoned over Israel-designated, quote, acts of terror, end quote, and who will receive financial assistance from the Palestinian Authority. The final reading of the bill, which uh, for the first time stipulates the deportation of Palestinians to the occupied territories, was passed in the Israeli parliament, the Knesset, on Wednesday afternoon by a vast majority of 94 votes in support uh, and 10 against. So under the law, a Palestinian citizen of Israel or a Palestinian in the occupied and illegally annexed East Jerusalem who holds Israeli residency can be stripped of their status after being convicted or charged for an act of terror. So it includes even being charged, not necessarily convicted, uh, for an act of terror, an act of terrorism, and receiving money from the PA, the Palestinian Authority. The PA, which governs the occupied West Bank, provides financial aid to families of Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jails, as well as those killed or seriously injured by Israeli forces. So, um, so actually, it means that if they are uh, Arabs or you know Palestinians within Israel and hold Israeli citizenship, because there you know there are millions of Palestinians within Israel as well, that they will 
basically deport them, strip them of their citizenship, or strip them if they are uh, living in East Jerusalem and kick them out into uh, the occupied territories. And East Jerusalem is important. They're basically trying to remove as many Palestinians from East Jerusalem as possible because the current government in Israel wants to unify Jerusalem and basically make it Jewish only. And it would be just a city for the Jewish people. Um, so our phone number is 813-239-9663. We're coming to the end of the show. Um, it's just every time, I, I don't know, and, and this is not done, uh, it's not finished, um, what's happening in, in, you know, by the Israelis and, and the current government there. It's only going to get worse. Uh, there are footage, there was footage coming out where there was actually violent altercations between um, members of parliament within Israel in the Knesset uh, because the opposition is just screaming at the transgressions and the grab of power by the current you know, government, the Netanyahu government. They're trying to basically change so many laws so fast that would you know, alter things and uh, centers a lot of the power with Netanyahu and no one else. Who happens to be, by the way, under investigation or on trial for corruption, bribery, fraud, so many things, but somehow he's still in power. I mean, you've got a person that's running the government there that has been in power for decades that is, um, I don't know, the government can't seem to put him away in jail. He's like permanently now, I think for the past, I don't know how many years, six years that he's been on um, under investigation, but he continues to be elected, um, changing his policies just to remain in power. Um, this basically wraps up our show for today. Um, this has been WMNF. This is True Talk on WMNF. We'll be back here next Friday, next Thursday, same time, 11 o'clock, and where we'll be raising money for our show and for the station. You know, WMNF is listener supported, so we count on you for uh, contributions. So you can actually visit the True Talk um, page right now at WMNF.org and make your contribution and allocate it for True Talk that will go towards our goal. And that's how we can continue bringing you great programming on this station. This has been WMNF Tampa. NPR News is next. And after that, it's some uh, great programming by Stuart, who's over there listening, raising his hand, preparing some nice music for you. He's been here for quite some time. I think he even got to the station before me, which I don't know. Um, I happened to come at the end. But enjoy your weekend. Get ready to open up your checkbooks. And I see our development director here looking at me through the window, reminding me that we need to raise money. So uh, we'll see you here next week, same time, same place. This has been True Talk on WMNF. Have a great weekend.